Welcome to Growing a B2B SaaS. On this show, you'll get actionable and usable advice. You'll hear about all aspects of growing a business to a business software company. Customer success, sales, funding, bootstrapping, exits, scaling, everything you need to know about growing a startup. And you'll get it from someone who's going through the same journey. Now your host, Joran Hoffman. Welcome back to another episode on the Grow Your B2B SaaS podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss all topics related to growing your SaaS, no matter in which stage you're in. Having a network of people around you is crucial for your success. Today, we're going to talk about Alexander Tema, better known as Alex, about how to grow a network and community. He recorded over 340 podcast shows himself, and he found one similar thing successful CEOs have in common, which is having a network so you can avoid common potholes and help you through your founder journey. He's the founder of SaaS Talk, an event uh, which is focused on helping B2B SaaS founders on their journey to 10 million ARR. After running the event multiple times in Dublin, online during COVID, he will be also organizing the event for the first time in US. It will take place in Austin in May this year. Next to these two big events, which attract thousands of founders, he's also organizing SaaS Talk local event, making it for everyone accessible to get information and mingle with like-minded people. If we want to know how to build your network and create a community within SaaS, Alex is definitely the right person. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Alex. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me, Joran. Uh, great, uh, great to be here. Cheers, thanks. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible, right, that people don't know you yet. And maybe some people don't know you yet. If they weren't convinced after this intro, in your own words, why should people listen to you today? Why should people listen to me? Look, I guess, and you touched on this in the intro, right? So for, for eight years, I've been building SaaS stock and bringing current and future SaaS entrepreneurs and investors together at events large and small. Our large main conference in Dublin and over 4,000 last year at that event. And then the small SaaS stock local events, the community meetups that we run predominantly across Europe. Um, but, you, you know, pre-pandemic, we had them sort of global uh, as well. I'm a community builder. I'm somebody that has uh, developed a really strong network because of the what I've done with Sastock through you, you know the audience building the content the podcasts the conferences so I know stuff about networks I know stuff about community I know stuff about content and building audience I know stuff but don't often speak about it about events right it's probably the like the overarching thing people kind of expect me to be this uh, number one SaaS expert in the world right actually I've never built a SaaS business I have spoken to thousands of SaaS founders never built a SaaS business so I'm probably never going to know as well the, the how to build a SaaS business to 100 million as those that that have done it but what I know is that I know how to build a conference business and scale that up and grow that up and build community and audience. So I'm actually probably more of an expert on that side. And I, I guess also I'm a founder. I'm a bootstrap founder and I've gone through the, the the highs and lows of getting a business off the ground, being a solo founder, running out of cash, these sort of problems, growing too fast and expanding too fast. I've had all these sorts of problems that many founders face and I can speak founder to founder because I've, I've been a first time founder for, for eight years. I've made all the mistakes but i've seen a lot of successes as well so all those reasons uh, i would say people should listen to me or could listen to me and, and that's where i can be helpful uh, i would say yeah i mean there's definitely enough reasons to listen to you uh, i know for sure and everything you do is is around SaaS, right and maybe yeah. this is a really basic question but 
why SaaS? Like why B2B SaaS? Like what interests yeah. you? Well, not purely B2B for you, but what interests you mostly about SaaS? Good question. Look, I fell into it in a way, but maybe but fell into it by design. I had 11 years in, in sales, selling other people's products, hardware, software. The last three years of my sales career, even though I'm still selling on a daily basis as a founder, right? But in terms of selling for other people, my last three years were kind of in the cloud computing space. And we are going back to 2012 to 2015. At that time, there were some interesting SaaS companies that were arising. The likes of, I would say, Slack dropped. Box, Twilio, Evernote. It was a kind of like this next wave of SaaS companies that were a little bit cooler than the first wave of SaaS companies, right? And um, it, it's just started to pique my interest. SaaS, what is this? Learning about it, reading about it, reading content from like Christoph Jans and Thomas Tungus and David Skok and all this stuff. So my curiosity was piqued at, at the time. Then I was looking for this entrepreneurial thing to do. Like I was selling somebody else's software and I was in cloud computing and I was interested in SaaS. And I thought, oh, SaaS is this kind of like interesting burgeoning market. I'm selling cloud computing software. What if I start writing a blog and positioning myself as a, a sort of trusted voice within this space? Would this actually help me within my sales career? And I looked to kind of explore that. But when I was exploring that, I think I saw like a gap in the market in SaaS for this kind of like vendor neutral, VC neutral community like blog about how do you grow and build a SaaS business. And my limitations were that I'd never done it, like I mentioned at the, the beginning of the podcast. So I can't be the expert telling a SaaS founder, this is how you grow your SaaS business because I've never done it, right? So what I did was I got the experts in and they created content for Sascribe. Then I added a podcast to that. And then I added some meetups. And before I knew it, I had a bit of a community. And then what I also saw, and again, this is a big part of why SaaS is that back then in like 2015, 2016, SaaS founders and the SaaS community was very much like it is today, right? People sharing their highs and their lows and how they grew their businesses, even amongst competition, they're like, this is how I did it and, and and so on, right? And I came from, whilst I was in cloud computing, I was selling in the, the Felco kind of industry. And it was very, from what I saw, closed off. There wasn't that community that I experienced. There wasn't people sharing publicly how they uh, had successes and failures. And that just kind of like really resonated with me. And everybody I met was always like really nice as well. And that continues to be the case on the most part. I think those are the things like why SaaS? It was just like, wow, there's a community here, lots of nice people paying it forward, sharing their mistakes and their successes. Like this is a great place to be. And this is where I want to be, right? And it's just made me really enjoy helping and serving that community but from them. Yeah, and I can definitely relate to what you're saying. As in, I don't know what it is, but within the SaaS community, everybody's really helping to try to make each other better or to try to help other people to make certain mistakes by sharing their story. So which is really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, I think, I mean, just like on that quickly, like, and, and I've heard this a few times over the years, but and you, you, you'll probably know this with SaaS founder membership, we're building a recurring revenue business. But what I've heard a lot is that building a business is hard, right? Building SaaS stock is hard. Building a recurring revenue business can be like even a little bit harder, right? It's a craft business. And because I think the founders experience the difficulty that it, what it takes to get a recurring revenue business off the ground, and they've experienced those pains that they want to give back and share to help others. And so I think there, there is that, that extra little bit of difficulty and because of that people want to share perhaps more that more so than in other industries yeah that makes sense because if it's if it's too easy then people don't want to share about it and now we want to talk about the difficulties exactly. indeed we're going to talk about two things today growing a network and growing a community maybe to go really back to the basics what do you think are the, the main differences i guess between a network versus a community 
Yeah, good question. There are definitely some big sort of key differences, right? And I think both are super important. Although there there are, I think there's many successful businesses out there that don't have communities, but then they, they start to sort of look at it at, at some point. If I look at it from my experience, right? I built a community first. And what do I mean by that? So we, we started with a blog and it was contributors from the wider community that I kind of sourced that had a kind of community feel that enabled me to do these kind of small meetups and bring people together. It's all about getting people together, right? Helping the community build and grow themselves, right? And from that, I was able to build a network because at the community events and with the content that I was doing with the podcasts, I'm connecting with people because I'm bringing people together either on a one-to-one basis, but largely in a one-to-many. And from building the community, I I then had a product that I could sell into this community. Uh, Building a network can be a, a very individual thing, and it's often helping you more than helping others. So me building a network is a conscious decision to connect with the relevant people in the industry. And from my ability to build a network, let's say from things like what we're doing today, you're like doing a podcast and getting Mark Roberge on and Christoph Jans and you know, Owen McCabe, the CEO of Intercom, as I did, you know, kind of in the early days, that enabled me to kind of connect with them on a one-to-one basis and, you know, add them into my network. And then over the years, let's say like with Mark Roberge, he's he's spoken on, you know, SaaS.virtual events to SaaS.founder membership events, been on the podcast, these sort of things. And that's me leveraging my network uh, as well. So I I would say these are kind of the differences. I think like in whatever industry, whatever role you're in, like whether you're a CEO, founder, whether you're an SDR, right, you should be looking at building out a network and that's going to help you progress, develop, learn, help you with your wealth, maybe your health, et cetera, all of these things. But building a community, probably a little bit harder than building out a network. And yeah, like with these things, like you just got to think about who is your audience? How can you help them? How do you get them together? And what is the reason that they come together? In our reason, it was to help SaaS founders and their teams like grow their businesses. And they had that common purpose purpose to come together and and all I did and simplifying it was okay like let's do a SaaS dot meetup in London and put on a bit of content and I find the time the date the place a speaker and then invite everybody to come people come and then you do it more than once and you start to build that community yeah, and I think, I mean, we just did one in Amsterdam, right? I'm, I'm co-organizing yeah. this Astrid Local in Amsterdam. A good example. The topic there was we're currently in a, in a downturn. Building a network. I mean, what do you think, what kind of effect does the current market have and the importance of actually building a good network as a founder? Yeah, I mean, super, probably as important, if not more in the current sort of market. If you've got a strong network, you can reach out to, to people and ask advice and get introductions and you know these type of things i'm currently working on a project top secret project that we spoke about before we were recording i'm reaching out to my network around this to to help me on it i had breakfast with somebody in my network yesterday uh, to help me about help me with it and they bring specific context as to you know the current macroeconomic environment i'm in a stronger position given my network than if i didn't have a network i wouldn't be able to do what i'm planning to do uh, having a network in the current times is going to be an advantage but you can also build a network in the current times, right? And how do you, how do you do that? And I think, again, it's things like what you're doing, your own, right? It's starting a podcast, inviting people that you want to be connected to that can add value to you, right? I think you're speaking to Patrick Campbell later today and you you got to connect with him at Sassot Local Amsterdam 
and then get him on the podcast. And then hopefully over time, there's going to be you know connection there and he'll be willing to take a WhatsApp message from you and so on. If you've got a specific question about you know, your business or your professional development, and given he's in SaaS and it's a pay it forward community, likely that somebody like Patrick would be supportive. And then by doing like either like hosting events like SaaS Local or attending them, Again, this is you know the opportunity for you to kind of build a network. So I think th- those that are doing what you're doing are, are creating an advantage versus, and this happens a lot, founders or individuals that stay at home, stay in the office and don't do these things. And it, it was like kind of the playbook, as we said, is what I've taken, right? It's doing the podcast, it's putting myself out there, doing the meetups, right? Organizing them. All of that led to what Sastock is today. Yeah, and, and this is indeed the reason why I'm, why I'm doing these things. As in, I do think it's, it's best practice as in to host a podcast like mm. this, to organize yeah. the events. When we turn it around, like I don't want to say I'm, I'm doing everything great, but let's turn it around. Like what is the most common mistake you see founders when they are trying to build a, a network? Good question. It's probably not leading with help kind of first or like asking for too much kind of too soon. If you're building out a network, you want to be providing an opportunity and helping somebody else kind of, I would say, like first. For instance, I guess in this instance or in the Patrick Campbell instance, he's coming on the podcast. There's going to be a benefit for him because, you know, helping him, his sort of profile, further raise it, put it in touch with an audience that may or may not kind of know him already. And there's value in that for Patrick. There's value in it for you from speaking with him and making that connection and learning from him on on the podcast. But if you go in too soon, you ask for something before you've delivered any value. That's a big common mistake. And it's a bit off-putting with other people, right? Just to clarify where people come in and they have a like, there's this like clear hidden agenda, but it's not hidden. It just kind of makes you a little bit uneasy about doing something and giving up your time and kind of helping so really kind of my mo would be really to really deliver value you know kind of like first before going in in with the ask and the ask like also like it can be a long game right it could be a long game so making that connection building the network delivering value two ways, keeping and maintaining the relationship over time. And then maybe you might come back with an ask in five years time. They're like, all of that work is done. So again, like with what I'm doing with the, you know, the top secret project, there are people that I've been connected with because of what I started in 2015, 2016, that now finally I've delivered value over the years and over the years, over the years, they delivered value back by helping the community, right? But now I come into them with a specific ask that's eight years down the line, right? So I'm not saying everybody needs to wait eight years, but um, it should be viewed as a long-term you, you know, thing and relationship thing and not just going in straight away. Yeah. And, and you might not always have to ask you want, I guess, when you start building a relationship, right? Because eight years ago, you probably yeah. didn't know you were going to do this. Exactly. Same, same for me. I'm building a network indeed with you, with Patrick, uh, with other people where I don't actually have a ask. I just want yeah. to build up my network. And I think that is indeed the perfect way to yeah. go to help each other out. Yeah, and then figure out where it's got, if there's going to be an ask in the end. And if if you're helpful, if you're a nice guy or girl, people are going to kind of remember you, and they'll be more willing to to help, right? But if you're if you're going for the ask, if you're not nice, then don't expect anything. Exactly. Nice. Let Let's talk about building a community. I mean, you're doing a lot of things under the Sastar brand, right? I can imagine not everything is as easy as it sometimes look. Can you tell a bit about the challenges and successes you had in building a community around around Sastok? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not easy. It's definitely been pivotal to what Sastock is today. Like, you know, I would say, what is a secret source for Sastock? And I, I think community is is a secret source. And not naming names, but there are, and again, like not every business needs a community, right? Just to just to say that. But some businesses and some events say that they they have a community, but beyond the actual event, where is that community and where does it exist? And what is the proof of that? Going back to like how how we started and say like we built community first and we built audience first. And from that, the community and the audience said we want SASTOC, something like SASTOC. And then I built SASTOC based on the customer kind of demand, having built that audience, right? So that that was kind of how that happened. And that enabled SASTOC and the, the success of SASTOC. Then we we started with the SASTOC local events to basically bring in local communities together. The vision is like across the world, we bring SAS communities together, the current and future SAS entrepreneurs. And we want to do that in you know hundreds of cities across the world. SASTOC started or like pre-SASTOC in these meetups with a SAS meetup in London, you know, one in Berlin, one in Dublin. And we could see that there were these communities there that people really wanted to kind of get together at a small scale, but also at a larger scale. So we kind of went back to this kind of grassroots thing and, and building community. The challenges kind of like back then was just resource and scalability. Like how do I must have done eight meetups before the first SAS stock in 2016. And that involved me, you know, obviously doing all the work, doing the three or four London ones that we did flying to Berlin and doing like one or two in Berlin, flying to Dublin and doing it there, you know, and it's not super scalable doing it that way, right? If, if it's yeah. just you doing everything, right? That's hand-to-hand -hand combat. In 2018, we had a bit more capital and resource behind us and wherewithal to, to figure out how to scale up, you know, these meetups. So it was less kind of founder-led and less hand-to-hand -hand com combat. And we did that. And then to like before COVID, we had 30 cities across the world, but not all of them were running kind of like smoothly with the processes and systems that we had in place. So again, like the challenges, if you're looking at scaling kind of community, having the right systems and processes is super key. Then to, let's say, during COVID, so 2020, 2021, March 2020, our revenue went to zero. We couldn't do physical conferences. We had planned to do five physical conferences in 2020, but we couldn't. So we lost that sort of revenue. What we did, we pivoted to online smoothly, I would say, after a few weeks. And um, our community, because they valued SASDOC and everything that we'd done to date, backed us and they supported us through COVID by attending our events and by sponsoring our events. And, you know, honestly, I think some of our, our sponsors only sponsored SASDOC and gave us large sums of money because they wanted us to, to succeed and not go under rather than the typical, we want leads, we want brand awareness. It was like, we support you guys, here's some money sort of thing, right? They didn't say it, you know, like that, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. So given that we had the community that helped us survive. So there's a power of co having community, right? Helping you survive in times of need as well. And then po like during COVID, we came up with the idea of the founder membership. The initial idea wasn't quite the founder membership and we had to the challenges were we had to kind of, you know, iterate to kind of like find our way. And I think initially, maybe because of what was happening with COVID and, you, you know, who was kind of leading the um, the project at the time, we probably didn't speak to enough customers to get the product right initially. And I think our positioning wasn't niche enough. So initially, when we launched like this membership sort of offering to our community, we looked to launch it to everybody, right, within the SaaS community. So founders, investors, VPs of sales, 
marketers, CFOs, etc. It's just everybody. And the thing is, you can't be all things to everybody. And it's really difficult. So again, like it's almost impossible to launch a community to every single persona. You've got to pick one, right? Why Why is Ben, the SaaS CFO, doing really well, enabled to what, what it was like two years ago, leave his full-time job to just focus on being, you know, Ben, the SaaS CFO? Because he focused on one persona, right? SaaS CFOs, not every everybody under the sun. So we actually made that big mistake, like trying to launch, be everything to everybody, and it didn't work. And then we were like, realized, well, who's our core ICP? It's the founders, okay? And then looking at what are their problems and where they are, and then speaking to them. And then from doing better customer development and and focusing on our ICP, that enabled us to launch the SaaS founder membership. We're trying to build the world's leading support organization for B2B SaaS founders by giving them better support, network, and knowledge and on their journey to 10 million in revenue. So our, our ICP is specifically B2B SaaS founders that are on their journey to 10 million in revenue, right? Nobody else. If you fall outside of that, it, it's not for you. So nailing that niche and that positioning was very important to kind of help us. And then still, we kind of like have to put together like a framework of how to grow this and getting these things kind of off the ground. It, it takes time, it takes resource. So we launched it during COVID in 2021. We didn't really have any resource to put it on it full time. Launching something like this requires full-time resource and support internally from the organization. And uh, in 2021, we can do that. In 2022, we started to, you, you know, put full-time bodies on it. And from that, you know, we started to see the progress to kind of, you know, get it where it is today, but we've still got a, a long way to go. But I, I think, you know, the potential is that we'll grow this into the thousands of founders from a membership perspective, but getting there and, you know, getting this thing started and getting the, the wheel turning, you know, it takes time. Yeah, I mean, I can say myself, I, I really like the the, the Sasak founder membership group. So I'm, I'm a fan, like I, I think I'm now in a couple of months, maybe already six months, I can't even remember. I've seen some changes happening as well. But for example, we just had a session with with Stefan from Expandi, yeah. who honestly shared his story. He's a fellow founder, uh, which is really interesting for me to hear. So like I can definitely say that having that community also helps to build up your network because you're going to meet other people who are doing yeah. exactly the same as as you're trying to do. Exactly. That's one, one of, one of the, the, the key pillars of that is to help people like yourself and SaaS founders to build out a global network of other SaaS founders who are all going through similar things. And as you say, like with Stefan, he's at seven and a half million or whatever in, in ARR. And your journey, a lot of the things that you'll be doing as you go towards 10 million ARR, Stefan will probably have done it and will have made some of those mistakes. And he can, as an example, help you avoid some of these mistakes, right? To help you get there quicker. So that's exactly what it's about. Yeah. You you mentioned at the beginning, like having processes is key. Having processes uh, is key. You also mentioned like you started local, went global, definitely picking like your right ICP. And you made a lot of iterations after, after launching. Um, I mean, these are some strategies slash, slash processes. Mm -hmm. Would you have any other processes slash strategies you would share, I guess, if somebody now wants to, to grow a community? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the key thing with like community is that it's got to be community driven. And what I mean by that is like you need to build a framework and a platform to empower the community members to be the ones that are engaging and driving it forward and growing it. And if it's just you or just SaaS doing everything and not empowering the community, 
it it will never grow. So you, again, you you've got to put a few things to, together to enable you to do that. Now, one thing that's really kind of helped us, so you you know, understand this and learn this a little bit better. There's a book called Get Together. If you're looking at building a community, I would say effectively it's the playbook that you kind of need to follow, right? And we discovered it last summer. I think it, you know, it, it, it's a game changer. And there's nine parts to the framework. I won't go through them all because I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll forget a couple. But the, the, the theory is, if you implement these nine parts of the, the, the framework, you're going to get this the machine kind of going, right? And it become this sort of uh, flywheel where it's just going to grow by itself because you you have these things in place. And that's kind of what we're working on, right? You know, getting all these nine parts of the framework in place. They're not all in place, but once they are, we're just going to keep seeing these, you know, improvements within the community. And uh, I, I would recommend it to anybody. Nice. We're gonna we're gonna link it in the in the description. Get together, uh, book to read. We're not gonna add an affiliate link behind it, so just click yep. it and, and buy the book. But having said that, affiliate marketing, like what we do, right, with Redditors, uh, it's a channel where uh, you leverage somebody else's network and then trying to have them get you paid clients. Like, how how do you look at affiliate marketing and and building your network? Like personally, we we haven't got huge amounts of experience in affiliate marketing. The only thing actually that we have done is with, and I think it was last year, and I don't know if we've done it before, but like AppSumo kind of, you know, reached out to us uh, and we're like, we can sell tickets to SaaS stock, you know, through our marketplace because we have whatever, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of SaaS companies in the database. And we're like, kind of got nothing to lose. They're a partner of ours. You know, I mean, they sponsor our events and we did that and it, it worked to an extent. Then I can imagine if you have a number of like platforms like that, that have the same audience that you don't have, because generally you're only going to have an audience of a certain size that you're looking to grow yourself. But the, the global TAM that you serve is going to be within, uh, I, I guess, across some other companies and communities and so on. And you need to kind of figure out where those are and go to this not owned audience, but I, I guess, I don't know if you call it like a rented uh, audience, right? So I think that's super key. Absolutely, one is an example. Other examples are, and we talked about it before, so like next week, I'm going to SAS Open, which is Nathan Lacker's conference. Nathan Lacker has an audience, you know, we have an audience, we don't compete, it's the same audience, right? And occasionally, you'll see Nathan Lacker send out an email about SaaS stock, and we sent out an email about SaaS open. So we're kind of, you know, helping each other out and going to, uh, to external audiences where where we believe our, our audiences are, are there. And, you know, Nathan's not looking for a kickback from us and we're not looking for a kickback either. We're just kind of helping each other out. I think there are some similarities in terms of like, again, when you're building out audience when you're building out content marketing like even with you know when we talk about the podcast so when you're starting out on the podcast you're building out this audience and it takes time a lot of what successful podcasters do and done if you go into somebody else's audience like joe rogan you know for instance and if it was relevant right it's going to boost your profile and people are going to find out about your podcast right i think they say like when you do content marketing i think in the early days you you kind of want to do i think like 20 or 30% content marketing on your your own sort of media and then you know 70 to 80% on somebody else's you know in the, the kind of the rented space right and then over time you want to kind of switch those percentages but never forget about other audiences kind of being out there affiliate marketing is that you're not going to have the total tam affiliate marketing will just kind of you know help promote 
promote across various different audiences and help to grow the system. So not huge amounts of personal experience, like directly from using affiliate marketing, apart from that absolutely no example. But uh, I can definitely see the benefits, you know, if you uh, if you get it right. And I think there's a lot of chatter at the moment around partner marketing, partner channels, you know, in SaaS to grow a SaaS company. I've seen a few things in the, the, this week around a big opportunity to grow SaaS businesses this year and beyond is, you know, through partner channels. Yeah, and I really like the the terminology used with own, owned and rented a network. I think that is definitely the case where where you rent somebody's network, where they're going to uh, leverage things, where you don't do it without any kickbacks can make sense when you're a bit smaller to actually do it like that because you don't have those benefits, I guess, of having these big networks yourself already. 100%. Final questions. You've spoken to a lot of SaaS founders in the last years. What kind of advice would you give uh, SaaS founders in, in different stages when growing their network? And then to begin with, somebody who's just starting out and trying to grow to 10K monthly recurring revenue. Good question. I think I gave it a little bit. It, it wasn't, I would say, like direct advice, or, or maybe it was. So I, I think you mentioned about, I'm doing this podcast, but I wonder if it's too soon, your journey. And I, what I said was that it's never too soon. And this is what I did, you know, building an audience first. And this is what I mentioned Anthony Kennedy is doing with Audience Plus, what Drift did. It's never too early to do content marketing and building an audience, building a community, having then customers or potential customers that you can speak to that's going to help shape your product, right? Then I think on that, the early stage, again, kind of like where where you are, or you know, founders kind of like getting to 10k MRR, speak to your customers, speak to your customers. So many companies don't do it. So many SaaS companies don't do it. What are the main reasons that SaaS companies die? Yeah, they run out of cash, main reason, but it's because they're not speaking to their customers and then they end up building something that customers don't want or doing the wrong positioning because they're not hearing or listening to the customers, marketing in the wrong channels, selling at the wrong price points. And I took like with the SaaS.Founder membership, speaking to the customers has been trans transformational. Speaking to the customers has led me to increase the pricing three times in a year. Keep saying like, it's too cheap. I can't believe you sold it at this price. It's like, oh, you know, we're trying to just get it going. You need to raise the prices. Okay. I raise the prices and then I raise the prices and say, you told me to raise the prices. I've raised the prices. Thank you very much. And then that gives us more MRR, right? So I think that's probably like the the, the key thing in, in within that stage, speaking to customers. I mean, in also in the, the, the journey of building a SaaS company, like never stop speaking to customers, right? I think like sometimes people don't do it enough. And then like, as you start to build the company in your 10K MRR and beyond, I think they're largely like the people, right? Getting, building the right team. You build the right team. You're, you're kind of halfway there. Nice. The other question I wanted to ask, because now we have it until 10K MOR, what, how would the advice differentiate, I guess, when you're growing above that point, going to 10 million ARR? I think part, part of the advice, I mean, both things translate and, you know, carry over, right? But again... I think people, especially as you're growing and scaling, is going to be a key thing, right? If you if you keep hiring the wrong people, or if your team is not good enough, or if you t hire a team of C and B players, it's going to be a struggle to get to 10 million ARR. Hire a team of A players, and it is possible on a budget and bootstrapping. You know, you you, you find these people, right? They're going to help you kind of get there. So I think that's one thing. Another thing, nobody did it on their own. Nobody ever figured out how to get to 10 million or 100 million on their own. So build a a support network to help you get there, connect with the Stefan Smolders of this world, right? Because they're doing it or have done it. And there is this, like, while, while there is not one size fits all playbook, building a repeatable, profitable uh, business, there is a kind of formula to do it. 
So you just got to find out those that have done it uh, and that will kind of save you time and money. You know, just building out this sort of like support network, you know, I, I think is key, right? Otherwise you could do it, but you're just going to make it harder for yourself. You're going to make lots of mistakes. You're going to grow slowly. Uh, and that will be, I think, super key. So if you're learning from people that have done it, and this is where like a lot of venture, like beyond, if you look at venture capital, why do people raise venture capital? They get a lot of money. They That helps extend the runway. That helps them build the team that they need. But also within that network, they get to speak to VCs, for instance, that either have seen, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of companies that have been successful, and then they just share that information. This is how you need to do it. And that kind of gives them this advantage. And it's up to like, they can say, how how do you do it? And then you need to execute against against that. And then they can also like connect you again, like into people that have done it and speak to people and, you know, helps you build out that network. So sometimes with being a bootstrapper, sometimes the harder thing is that you don't have this support network that, that VC companies get. But what you do get obviously as a bootstrapper is retain the equity and control and the clock isn't ticking as much. Like you've got to hit these milestones. You've got to hit these milestones, right? You don't have the risks of being fired from your own company uh, as such. So a lot of pros and cons, right? But it's a, it's a, a different conversation. Yeah, nice. And and now as a bootstrapper, you can join the SFM community. So you will find people who are doing the same and you will find a network. So thanks again for, for organizing that. I think the key takeaway is also you can't start too early with building a network and a community. I mean, we now hold the benefits and definitely start as soon as, as you can. Like I guess my, myself in this case. Indeed. Final question, if people want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way? I mean, they can email me alex at sasdoc.com. That would be fine. Or just on LinkedIn, Alex Thuma on LinkedIn. That's T-H-E-U-M-A. Probably the the best ways. You can also follow me on TikTok, but you know, probably not going to respond to the, the messages uh, as much. But uh, please do follow me. Yeah, I would say those are the ways you're on. Nice. I will make sure to add the link so everybody can just quickly find them as well. Thanks again for coming on the show, Alex. It was really nice to have you. Yeah, no, really appreciate you on. Great to be here and to uh, to speak to your audience. Yes, thanks. You've been listening to Growing a B2B SaaS. Yoran has been ahead of customer success before founding his own startup. He's experiencing the same journey you are. We hope you've gotten some actionable advice from the show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. Make sure to like, rate, and review the podcast in the meantime. To find out more and to hook up with us on our social media sites, go to www.getreadinus.com. See you next time on Growing a B2B SaaS.